Hope you all are having a good start to the new year, 2019. Wow. Um, my start was this week. Uh, my glasses broke. Um, I tried to suffer through it the first hour. And, you know, you put the little tape on it and all that. And, um, yeah, they didn't, it didn't work so good. They kept sliding down the nose and, and I was having to hold them to read. So I went and got my reading glasses. So this morning, if I look a little out of sync, then oh, you'll just have to put up with me. And I couldn't read my notes through most of the first hour. So we'll see how we do the second hour. So um, anyway, we'll, we'll, get it, we'll, get it, we'll get it figured out. You know, when I was in college, you know, I, I, loved to, I loved to eat, and um, in college, when you don't have a lot of money, you figure out ways to, to, to eat cheaply, you know? We used to always try to figure out those different ways, and I remember this one time, I heard somebody say, you know, talking about, like, tortillas, that all they are is flour and water, and I remember one day I was at the store, and I walked by the, kind of the bakery area, and you see the little bag of flour there, and I thought, wow, that's so cheap, I could make a bunch of tortillas, I already got water. And so I remember going home and getting a bowl and mixing flour and water and, and uh, putting it on there. And it was, came out really flat. Um, we didn't have internet back in those days, so we couldn't search a recipe or realize there's other ways to make, uh, make bread. I can even remember one time cooking bread and wondering why it didn't rise. I didn't know about yeast, those kinds of things. But I was always trying stuff. In fact, one time when I was in college, we, we were real hungry one night and and uh, we weren't allowed to have any cooking devices in our room. So we figured out by turning an, uh, an iron upside down, you can try to prop it up, turn it on high. And we went to the store and we got bread and butter and, and slices of cheese. And we made grilled cheese on our, on our, on our iron. And you know, then after it cools, you can just put it like normal. They never knew you cooked in your room, right? And um, you, know, you can actually boil water with an iron. I didn't know if you knew that or not. In case you're ever in a ever in a survival mode, uh, you know, you have an iron, it'll, it'll work, you know, kind of thing. But I share all that this morning just because uh, we're, we're in the John chapter six and we're looking at Jesus feeding the 5,000. Uh, he didn't need an iron, thankfully. Uh, he was able to bless and, and feed. And if you look in John chapter six, you start seeing the account that takes place. Jesus comes to the Sea of Galilee and there's a multitude of people following Jesus. Um, they're following him because of the signs that he had done. You remember back in chapter three, Nicodemus came by night to Jesus uh, because he understood that the signs that Jesus was doing, he could only do those if he was from God. So, so Nicodemus wanted to inquire more because he knew he was from God. And so he goes to see Nicodemus. Well, now with the signs that Jesus has been doing, a multitude has gathered and Jesus had gone up on a mountain and he looks back and he sees this multitude following him. And he says to Philip, I <laughs> love it. He says to Philip, he says, uh, where might we buy food that, we might, that they might eat? And it's interesting. And John inserts in there in the little account, he, he inserts that Jesus was testing Philip. He was testing by the question because he already knew what he was gonna do. And Philip's response was, well, 200 denarii isn't enough to fill, this, fill everybody. It's not enough. It might give them a little bit to eat. And, and Andrew responds, and Andrew says, well, here's this boy, he has five barley loaves and two fish, but what is that to the 5,000? Now, this morning, I want you to stop for a second while we're in this account, and there's a word that I want you to understand today. I want you to really think about as we go through our passage. The word is believe. It's believe. 
If there's one thing that sets Christianity apart from any other religion, it's that word, believe. It's, 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 it's by faith you come to Christ. When, when you believe he places you into the family of God, he secures you, he places you into the Father's hand and you're his. It's by faith, nothing you do to attain, nothing you do to accomplish, it's simply by believing. And you know what? Just as you believe and enter into the salvation and enter into the family of God, so it is by faith, it's by believing that you live, that you walk with him. And I think here's a brilliant illustration that that Apostle John records in regards to Jesus really testing them, talking about faith. And I find, I find in our own Christian walks, in the same scenario, I'm pretty sure I would be like, like Philip, 200 denarii. I mean, that's about eight months worth of wage. It wasn't a small amount of money, but it wasn't enough to feed 5,000. And sometimes I think we look at our own resources and we think, what, what can God do? And we think it's not enough. And I love that Andrew comes along with these this little lad and he says, well, here's these five barley loaves and two fish, but what is that with so many people? I mean, a lot of times it's just simply coming to God by faith and believing God to use us. And and I think so many times we miss out on the miracles of God in our lives because we never take that step of faith, that step of believing to trust God to use us. Whether it's you know, in all the little ways, anything from, from being a greeter to, to sharing with your neighbor at the, at the, about Christ and showing the love of Christ to them. It's simply by faith. So I want you to understand because that word, in fact, if, if, you, if you're the type that likes to mark through your Bible when you go through, as we go through this, this passage today, maybe underline the word believe because it's in here a lot. And it's a decision you make. Some things are gonna be said today that are gonna be really tough really hard, so much so that later we'll see in the account that many of the disciples quit following Jesus as a result of the words today. They were difficult. And some of you will struggle with the words. And some of you already are struggling with different aspects of of your faith and different aspects of the scriptures and different aspects of your relationship with God. And really it comes down to believing. And so that's a real, real important word today. So kind of tuck that away, underline as we go. So after Andrew comes to, to Jesus and he says, here's five barley loaves and two fish and there was a great, great big area of uh, grass in that area. He tells them to sit down and, and, then, and then Jesus, what does he do? He takes it and he gives thanks. You know, for a long time as a young believer, I used to pray before I, I ate and always made, made sure I always prayed and it was always like, you know, God bless this food, give nourishment to my body, all, you know, all that kind of thing. And not that that's bad, but somewhere along the line, I, I changed the way I pray about, about, about my meals, about the food that God's provided. I started realizing that what is sitting before me when I sit down to eat is something God has provided. And thank you, God, for that provision. You see, what we have in our fridge and what we have in our cabinets, that's a provision that God has given to us. We must be thankful for that. The shelters that he's given us, the homes, praise God, thankful. I think if we were living in a day when you know, each day you had to go find your food. You, were, you trusted the weather. You trusted the ground to grow it. You really were, gave thanks when you had a bountiful supply of food. And yet to us today, it's so easy to just kind of even throw food away. But it's what God has given us. And so Jesus sitting down, he gives thanks. 
And he begins to break, break the bread. And the disciples begin to distribute the bread. And everybody begins to eat. And they begin to eat more. And they eat more. And they eat more. In fact, the text tells us that they ate until they were full. Until they were filled. What a beautiful picture, right? They ate until there was until they were just no more. In fact, Jesus instructs the disciples to go and to pick up and gather the remains that none would be, that none would be wasted. And so they go out and they have 12 baskets and they go out and they, they fill their baskets. Now, I don't think these were little baskets. I think these are big baskets. I mean, I think the disciples probably had to struggle to even carry them a little bit. Now, this is just my own thinking, okay? What a demonstration that God was, was teaching them, that Jesus was teaching them about faith, about believing, about trusting what God can do with our little. Well, as the crowd saw what Jesus had done, they, they marveled at that. They saw what he had done, and they said, truly, this is the prophet. And they used the term prophet as the one that was, was called by God, the one that was the prophet, the Messiah, the one to come. And it tells us that Jesus, perceiving that the crowd wanted to take him by force to make him king, he backs away and he goes off on his, uh, by himself. And the disciples are there, they're by the sea and Jesus isn't around so they see the boats and they get in the boats and they begin to cross the sea. But by the time they got in the boats and began to cross, night had come down, it was dark out. And a wind had rose up and they were rowing. In fact, it tells us in the text that they began rowing for about three to four miles when they see Jesus. Now, it doesn't say they saw a figure. They didn't say they saw something. They saw Jesus and they were frightened. And when Jesus said, it is I, do not be frightened, then they led him in the boat. If you look at the wording there, it's kind of, kind of funny. It's almost like they were preventing Jesus from getting in the boat where they didn't want him in the boat until they realized it was Jesus. And then they led him in the boat. And as Jesus gets into the boat, immediately, the text says, immediately they were on, at land, at shore, on the other side of the sea at Capernaum. Immediately. And Jesus, in all of this that he's done, is demonstrating to his disciples who he is. Remember, last week in chapter 5, we saw that the Jews were, were wanting to persecute Jesus. We saw, they saw they wanted to, to, to kill him. They were seeking to kill him because he, he did these miracles on the Sabbath. He broke the law. But then more, more, more um, well, I just lost my word there. But anyway, even what worse is that he claimed to be equal with God. Can you believe that? They understood exactly what he was saying. But in chapter five, we see a crowd that's following him, watching these signs, wanting to hear what he's saying. You don't see anywhere in chapter five where they're wanting to persecute Jesus. The only thing you see is they want to take him by force to make him king. Why, Why would they want to make him king? Well, who wouldn't want a king that could fill you up? Who wouldn't want a king to provide? I mean, if you had food and and everything you needed, life would be so much easier, right? Who wouldn't want that kind of king? And so the next day when they get up and the crowd see that the disciples aren't there and that Jesus isn't there and and they, they saw there was only one boat and some other boats come in, they get into the boats and they go across the across the sea to the other side into Capernaum. And they find Jesus. And they come up to Jesus and say, Rabbi, when did you get here? Now, I want to pick up in verse 26 of chapter 6 of our account here that John gives us. In verse 26, Jesus answered them and said, 
It is true, it is true. Remember the word truly, truly, it literally means it is true. And when it's used in a double uh, way like this, he's making an emphasis. So we wanna hear what he has to say. It is true, it is true. I say to you, you seek me not because you saw signs, but because you ate of the loaves and were filled. Do not work for food which perishes, verse 27, but for food which endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man shall give you, for on him the Father, even God, has set his seal. So what Jesus says is, the reason you're seeking me isn't because of the sign that I did, it's because you were full. Why did they want to make him king? Because they were full. They missed really the purpose of the sign. Isn't it amazing? In a minute, they're going to ask for a greater sign it really isn't how many signs you see, is it, that gets us saved. It's what we believe. And Jesus challenges them here, and he tells them not to work for food that perishes. I mean, what they just ate when Jesus fed them the 5,000, the breads and the loaves, isn't going to give them life. It may keep them alive physically a while, but it's not going to give them life. And he says, do not work for that that which perishes. In verse 28, they said, they said therefore to him, what shall we do that we may work the works of God? Well, in other words, just simply, what should we do to do the work? And Jesus answered them in verse 29 and said to them, this is the work of God that you believe in him who he has sent. I quote this verse often. Dear people of God, I stand before you today as, just as a, another person. If you know, people that know me know this. I put on my pants the same way. I put my shirts on the same way. Nothing special about me, I promise you. In fact, if you know me very long, you'll have reasons to probably not like me, okay? The reality is I stand here not, be, not just as a person, but I stand here as a person who believes that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing in him, I have life, and I have life in him. You see, I didn't do anything to attain just because I stand up here and preach doesn't mean that I'm a little closer to God than you are. It doesn't mean that I've earned some extra brownie points that are gonna get me over the wall of heaven. That when I, when I face death and death comes, my faith in Christ is all that I have. It's it. What must you do to earn, to earn eternal life? Believe. It's the thing that sets apart Christianity from every other religion in the world. Every other religion is going to tell you, or belief system is going to tell you, you have to do something. And I know that, I know that people say, oh, yeah, the Bible's a bunch of do's and don'ts. Well, you haven't really read it the way I have. The Bible, the Bible's about life. It's about what we were created for. It's about a relationship with our creator and what he has done in demonstrating his love towards us. The Bible is about giving me truth in a world of lies. The Bible gives me comfort and wisdom and knowledge as it relates to the emphasis and the purposes of my God. You see, you see it's, about, it's about believing in him. Many other religions is about what you're gonna do and accomplish. Or you've got you've to go through certain rituals on a regular basis. Or maybe, maybe it's not even a religion as such. It's just believing in yourself and you think that you're gonna, if you do these things, you're going to attain certain intellectual platitudes or you're going to attain certain amount of emotional maturity. And the reality is it's all about what you do at that point. 
But really, when we talk about the gospel, when we talk about what Christ did, it's about believing that this is the work of God, that you believe in the one he had sent. You believe in Jesus. And look how, the, look how the crowd begins to respond to him. Then in verse 30, and they said to him, they said therefore to him, what then uh, do you do for a sign that we may see and believe you? What work do you perform? Our fathers ate manna in the wilderness as it is written. He gave them bread out of heaven to eat. So what they're, what's going on here is they're, they're asking him a question. They're saying, what are you gonna do that we might believe? that we might see a sign. Now you might think right off, you go, wait wait a second, Jesus, didn't you just do a pretty remarkable sign? You just fed 5,000 people. And then they say, well, our fathers ate manna from heaven. And here's here's what they're saying. So they're saying, okay, Jesus, okay, one time, you fed 5,000 people and you fed them bread, just ordinary bread, bread, that, bread that, just, that just filled them up. Well, here's what Moses did, and we know he's referring to Moses because of his response to them. Here's what Moses did. He fed for 40 years in the wilderness, and he fed a whole nation, not just 5,000 people, but a whole nation, and what he fed them was bread from heaven, Okay, and so they're making a distinction here. They're saying, okay, what greater miracle are you gonna do? This is what Moses did. For 40 years, he fed a whole nation and he, and he fed them bread from heaven. You just gave us ordinary bread and you did it one time for 5,000. This is why I say, you can, people can say, well, if God will just do this, then I might believe. If they don't believe the prophets, if they don't believe the scriptures, how are they gonna believe? To be honest with you people, that's not rude, that's not being mean, that's just reality. You either believe that he is, people are willing to, to say to Jesus, I believe that Jesus is a good man. A good man who claims to be equal with God? Really, come on, people. We, most of us would put someone like that in a, in a mental institution, we'd get him on, on medication to bring him back to reality, right? And we call him a good man or a good teacher? Where we say that he came and he kind of showed us a better way to God? Forget that, really? He claimed to be equality with God. And they're saying to Jesus, hey, this isn't enough. It doesn't matter how many signs people have. The bottom line is, is are they gonna believe? Jesus is teaching them truth here and they're not believing in light of the, in light of the miracle. They wanna see something bigger, something better. And Jesus responds to them in verse 32. Jesus therefore said to them, it is true, it is true, I say to you. It is not Moses who gave, who has given you bread out of heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread out of heaven. For the bread of God is that which comes down out of heaven and gives life to the world. Now, Jesus begins to make a distinction here. He's saying, hey, wait a second. It wasn't Moses that gave them the bread. It was my Father that gave them this bread. And the true bread, the bread of, the bread of God, is that which comes out of heaven and gives life to the whole world. And he's beginning to expand his, his concept or what he's, what he's saying here. So in verse 34 to 34 and following, he says, and they said to him, therefore, Lord, evermore give us this bread. Sure, give us this bread so that we'll be full. We don't have to go hunger. Give us some bread. 
And Jesus says to them in verse 35, I am the bread of life. Notice what they say. Hey, give us this bread. And Jesus is saying, I'm here. I'm right here, right now. I am the bread of life. And what did he already just tell him? He said, what is, it, what is the work of God? It's to believe. And I'm telling you, I am the bread of life. Verse 35, I'm the bread of life who, who comes, he who comes to me shall not hunger and he who believes in me shall never thirst. Verse 36, but I said to you that you, that you have seen me and yet you do not believe. Verse 37, all that the Father gives me shall come to me, and the one who comes to me I will certainly not cast out. For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who has sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that all that he has given me, all those that will believe in me, I shall lose nothing, but raise it up on the last day. Verse 40, for this is the will of my Father, that everyone who beholds the Son and believes in him may have eternal life and myself will raise him up in the last day. So the, so the bread that Christ is giving is a bread that is eternal, leads to eternal life. So here's what Jesus responds. He says, hey, look, you see what Moses did here? Well, really, this was just one time. Only for 40 years, it was just one time. It was a whole nation. And it was bread from heaven that only met the physical needs. It didn't, I mean, where are, those, where are those people that ate from the bread of heaven? They all died, didn't they? But Jesus is saying, what, I, what my father is giving, he has, sent the, he has sent the bread of life, which is Jesus. The father sends Jesus the, the bread from heaven. And he says, it's always available. Well, I just went blank, so if I... If I misspell, folks, when the college kids used to learn this about me, if I misspell, it's because I'm thinking I'm already on my next thought, and so I misspelled, so just look past it. What Jesus is saying, hey, the bread that he's given, it's always available. It's always available, and guess what? It's available to all people, not just to some, not to just a nation or to the 5,000 who were there or a whole nation, but it's available to all people, and guess what? This isn't just physical food. This is spiritual food. It gives, it gives eternal life. So what Jesus is drawing out is he says, hey, look, I'm the, I'm the bread of life, the, the bread of heaven, the bread of God that has come down and it's always available for all people and it gives life to the world, to all those who would believe. So what Jesus is saying is, hey, this was supposed to point to this. But what, what the people were wanting is they were wanting, they were wanting more of this. They were wanting more of the physical. That's why they wanted to make him king. They wanted to have a king that kept them full, that kept them, kept them from being hungry. And Jesus is saying, no. This is a, look at what he says in verse, in verse 40. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who beholds, and that word literally means to, to gaze, to, to see, who beholds the Son and believes in him, may have eternal life and, my, and I myself will raise him up on the last day. And so there's this picture that's going on that, that, the, that the bread of heaven isn't received by mouth. The bread of heaven is received by a believing heart. It's by believing that we receive this bread. It's by believing that we receive this life. And they're still thinking the physical. They're still wanting the physical met. And so Jesus becomes the 
the, the nourishment of spiritual life. Jesus becomes that which flourishes in our walks with him. Jesus becomes the source of, of, of our life. And, 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 it's, and it's by believing. So then we begin to see the reaction of the crowd in verse 41. The first group we see is the Jews. And they're always going to be critical. But look at verse 31. It says, the Jews, therefore, were grumbling about him because he said, I am the bread that came down out of heaven. So they're struggling with this statement, but they're not even struggling about him saying he's the bread. They're struggling with the fact that he said, I came down out of heaven. Verse 42, and they were saying, is not this Jesus the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How does he say I have come down out of heaven? How does this man, who we know his mom and dad, we know where he came from, how does he say I came down out of heaven? They understood exactly what he was saying when he was talking about coming out of heaven. That's why I'm so amazed at how people today try to twist who Jesus is. If they just read what Jesus said about themselves, they would either believe or they think he's a crazy man. Instead of trying to find this common goodwill statement about who he is. Jesus said he was the son of God. And he is God. He came down out of heaven. And so Jesus responds to them in verse 43. He says, do not grumble among yourselves. No one can come to me unless the father who sent me draws him and I will raise him up on the last day. Verse 45, for it is written in the prophets and they shall all be taught of God. Everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. Not that any man has seen the Father except the one who is from God and he has seen the Father. There's so much, there's so much right there. I would love to spend a lot of time on that and a lot of you would enjoy the, the discussion. But here's the reality. Here's the bottom line, people. God initiates salvation. It's the grace of God reaching out to humanity, that he initiates. It says in 2 Corinthians 5.19 that God was in Christ, in the world, reconciling people to himself. He was reconciling us to himself. And it also says in that same text that God's given us the ministry of reconciliation, that we too would be calling others to Christ. We were calling them to this, this good news of salvation, this message of reconciliation, that no more are we at difference with our God. But now there is peace with him, and there's unity with him through Jesus Christ, the bread of God. Salvation comes by faith. It comes by faith in him. And Jesus continues on in verse 47, and there it is, there it is again. It is true, it is true. I say to you, he who believes has eternal life. He's, man, if you're not underlining believes, you see it in the text? It's about what you believe. He who believes has eternal life. Verse 48, I am the bread of life. Jesus staying right, again, I am right here. I am the bread of life. He who believes in me, in this bread, he who believes in me will have life. Verse 49, your fathers ate, man, ate the man in the wilderness and they died. I love this statement. You see, they all ate. They all received this bread, but it meant only physical needs and they died. And Jesus says, this is the bread, verse 50, which comes down out of heaven so that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down, came down out of heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he shall live forever. And the bread also which I shall give 
for, for the life of the world is my flesh. In fact, I believe that reference there, my flesh, in the last part of verse 51, he's referring to his sacrificial death. When he went to the cross and his, through his death, his burial and his resurrection, as he sacrificed himself, that he took upon himself our own sins and became a propitiation for us of our sins that we might stand in his righteousness, that we might have a righteous standing before God through his death, his burial. And because he is risen, we have life too because he's alive. And so I believe that reference is there. He's that living bread. Verse 52, the Jews therefore began to argue with one another saying, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? You see, they're still thinking about the physical, aren't they? What do you mean? How can you give us your flesh to eat? And Jesus says some really tough things right here. I've seen Christians struggle with this passage over and over again. There's some very difficult things that Jesus says right here in this passage. Let me wipe my eyes and then I'll read it. Verse 53, Jesus therefore said to them, it is true, it is true, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the son of man and drink his blood, you have no life in yourselves. That's pretty harsh. Verse 54, he who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life and I will raise him up on the last day. Verse 55, for my flesh is true food and my blood is true drink. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I in him. As the living father sent me, I live because of the father. So he who, who eats me, he also shall live because of me. This is the bread which came down out of heaven, not as the fathers ate and died. He who eats this bread shall live forever. Really tough. There's, I've seen bad theology come out of this, this passage where people would believe that the, 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 the juice and the bread would turn into the actual body and blood of Christ and therefore by taking it, they receive Christ. That's not what Jesus is talking about here. Here's the reality. In fact, in a minute, he's gonna say, he's gonna really lay this out. He's gonna say, you know, the, the, flesh, uh, the, the flesh profits nothing. You know, you could eat the flesh of Jesus. It's not gonna give you eternal life. This is the bread that's came down out of heaven. And a lot of people stop right here and they go, wow, these are words that are too tough to understand. And they find difficulty with them and, and they begin to struggle with these words. And it sounds pretty horrible, doesn't it? To eat flesh and to drink blood, how gross. I've, I've, I've met many Christians, I've even met one that walked away because of these passages. Said, I, can't, I just can't believe this. And, and, and they never read on in the passage to understand what he was talking about. Look what he goes on and he says, in fact, let me say this before I get too far, I almost forgot this. The word there, eat, by the way, <laughs> the word eat there is literally to munch or crunch, by the way. And it, so Jesus isn't using like a nibble kind of thing. He's talking about eating or crunching. And here's the thing, that, 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 that idea is that there was reference that usually was used of an animal who would eat all day long and part of the night. And it's the picture that what Jesus is saying is that you have to eat continually, have in this sense of this relationship, this, this relationship we have with God. And so he goes on and he says in that verse uh, 59, he says, these things he said in the synagogue as he taught in Capernaum. Verse 60, many therefore of his disciples, when they heard this, said, this is a difficult statement. Who can listen to it? And some of you probably are feeling a tension right there with these words. 
And, and they were as well. So Jesus responds and he says, verse 61, but Jesus, conscious that his disciples grumbled at this, said to them, does this cause you to stumble? Now we're not talking about the 12. We're talking about followers at this point. In a minute, he's gonna address the 12. And there were many that were following him. So he says, does this cause you to stumble? Verse 62, what then if you should behold the son of man ascending where he was before? Let's just stop there for a second. When he says, does this cause you to stumble? That word stumble literally has the idea to offend. In fact, it was used oftentimes of a, of a bait stick. When you talk about like in a trap and hunters use a, a trapping device, there, there's a, there'd be like a little cage and on the back of it, there'd be a little stick and on it would be the meat. And when the animal would come in, they'd hit the stick and the door would shut and they'd be caught. They would be in this struggle, this difficulty within this, with this trap. And so what Jesus is asking them, is this, is this caused you to stumble? Is this caused you to be in, in difficulty? They're struggling with this, with what he just said. And he says, well, what if you see the Son of Man ascending out of heaven? In, in, in reality, Jesus had. He was there. He was right in front of him. But then look what he says in verse 63. It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. This is really important because people stop on that last part. He's, he's talking about, hey, the flesh profits nothing. You know what? You can eat all the flesh you want of Jesus. You're still going to die. He's talking about spiritual. He's talking about the spiritual food that comes down out of heaven because the spirit gives life. And the picture he's drawing is, is when you talk about believing, you're talking about that every aspect of our lives that we're de depending and believing on him. You see, I came into the family of God by faith because I believed in what God has done. But in my walk with God, every day it's a step of faith, believing God one step at a time. It's, it's, it's not just, well, I'm going to make it to next Sunday. It's every step of every day. It's believing God that, that, that sometimes that, that when things don't look right, maybe I get some bad news about health, but it's still believing God. Maybe I get some, get some bad news about, about finances. Maybe I lose my job or maybe, I, maybe some things get disrupted at work or I have a problem with somebody at work. It's, it's not about how I can adapt and how I can manipulate the situation. It's about believing God to use you in those circumstances. It's about believing God to use you when everything seems like it's in chaos. Whether it's running your business or we're running your home or we're working, whatever it is, it's about, it's about, about faith and believing God. It, it changes the way you look at marriage. It changes the way you look at relationships. It changes the way that you begin to, to, to deal with others because by faith you begin to believe what, what God has said and he begins to change who you are. It's that picture that, that gives us life, that when we believe in him, we have new life in him. And the life that we live, it's no longer I who live, but it's Christ in me. It's him living in me in that life, that I might, might live and experience life in him. And Jesus tells him right here, hey, quit thinking about the physical. Quit, quit getting tripped up about this. I'm talking about spiritual life, eternal life. And he goes on in verse 64, he says, but there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus knew, in verse 64, for Jesus knew from the beginning who they were who did not believe and who it, is, who it was that would betray him. Verse 65, and he said, and he, and, he, and he was saying, verse 65, for this reason I've said to you that no one can come to me unless it has been granted 
him from the Father. And for the, in other words, God initiates. We're simply responding to God at work. The, today, if you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus Christ, let me tell you something. You have, you have, a, you have, you have a confrontation, if you will. Either you believe or you're not gonna believe. You're gonna, you're gonna leave here and you may leave here today and, and you continue not to believe. In a minute, we're gonna see that many quit following Jesus and that may be your choice. That may be your response to God moving in your heart. I hope that today, and as I prayed this week, that you would respond to God's moving in your heart and you would respond in belief and faith and receive Christ into your life. But you know, the same thing is true to you believers that are here today. It's the same thing. Some of you are struggling. Maybe you've already started, started walking away from God. Maybe you've already started withdrawing from him. It's by faith that you continue to take those steps when God doesn't make sense in the, in the, in the affairs of your life. To still believe that he is sovereign and he, and he sits on the throne and that he's the almighty God who demonstrated his love towards us and sent his son into our, into, into our world. And through his, his work, through his death, his very own resurrection, he gives us life. And because he lives, I live. And Jesus, leaving the Holy Spirit that I might walk in his goodness, in his righteousness, in his, and be able to experience the power and the grace and the mercy and the comfort and the joy of my God in my daily life. That's simply by believing. Amen. All right, that's an amen point, guys. Amen? It is simply by believing. And it's God that initiates. And he goes on and he says in verse 66, as a result of this, many of his disciples withdrew and were not walking with them anymore. Many of them did not walk. They, they said, you know what, Jesus, I hear what you're saying. Yeah, maybe it is spiritual food, but this is too difficult for me. I can't believe. I can't get over that. It breaks my heart. I watch it many, many times where I watch people struggling in their faith. We're struggling with something the scripture says. We're struggling something about, about what's, what's going on here or what God is doing in their life. And the reality, as much as I wanna take it away, as much as I wanna, I wanna fix it so they don't have that struggle and they, don't, they, they would believe maybe even the way I believe or, or whatever the case may be, but the bottom line is they have to come to a place of faith. They have to come to a place of believing. I find that Jesus is interested here, and you'll see this in a minute. Jesus doesn't follow them. He doesn't, he doesn't rework his words. He told them, hey, I'm talking about things that are spiritual here. I'm talking about the spirit gives life. The flesh profits nothing. I've already said that to you. They, he explained it, but they still walked away, and Jesus didn't change it to make it kind of sound a little bit more acceptable, maybe a little more politically correct. Jesus let them walk. Because you see, the bottom line is when God moves, you have to respond. And whether you like it or not, you are responding. You may respond in belief, but you may respond in disbelief. I pray to God, man, I prayed this week before this message that God's people and those that might be here who haven't received Christ would respond in belief that they would respond and believe. I have nothing in my life. I mean, if everything was taken away in my life, what do I have? I mean, if God took everything away in your life, would you still believe? I, I find it amazing that there was Job losing everything, sitting in the ashes, weeping, and his wife says, curse God and die. And he still doesn't. Would you still believe 
If everything was taken away, would you still believe? And Jesus, now turning to the 12, in verse 67, and Jesus said, therefore, to the 12, you do not want to go away also, do you? Do you want to leave? They, the 12 have already seen the whole crowd. They've seen their reaction. They've seen the things they've said. Do you want to go away as well? And you love Simon Peter. Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And we have believed and come to know that you are the Holy One. John wrote this gospel and he told us exactly why he wrote this gospel. That you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and believing you might have life in him. Simon Peter comes to a place and he says, hey, look, where else are we to go? Who else do we go to that has the words of life? Is there anybody else that has the words of life? Is there anybody else that can tell us these things? Where else should we go? In fact, we believe and have come to know that you're the Holy One of God. We believe and have come to know that you're the Son of God, that you are the Messiah, and I love the phrase, come to know, because it means that they didn't just hear and immediately they, they completely believe and they didn't grow. They, they have grown in their faith, watching these things that have happened. That's why this account to me is so important in the Gospel of John, because this is a firsthand account of someone who saw Jesus, handled Jesus, touched Jesus, and heard Jesus and saw these things. And he's writing these things down so that we too would believe that we wouldn't be shaken in our faith that we wouldn't be shaken in our belief, but that we would believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and believing we would have life in him. And that's what Jesus has promised. To believe we have life, to not to believe we don't. Let me ask you a question. What would you do? I mean, you see these people walking away. Would you walk away? Man, we live in a world of chaos right now. And there's a lot out there talking about the Christian faith. I've mentioned it last week, talking about just the condition of the church and some of the things that I, that I see that are coming, just briefly. But I'm telling you, your faith is gonna be challenged. Have you already begun to walk away? Have you already begun to, to start wondering about, was Jesus real? Was Jesus really the son of God? Did he really come and die for my sins? Have you already started moving away? Stop. Hear these words from somebody who was there and saw and believe. Let's pray. Father God, I just, um, I lift up to you, Father, your people. I lift up to you, those that are here this morning. God, I pray that your spirit would move in our hearts. I pray, God, that your spirit would speak to us this morning. Father, that maybe there's some here this morning that walked through these doors and weren't even sure why they were to be here this morning and have never come to a place of faith. They've never believed in Jesus and God, I pray today that they would. I'll be at the back. They can come talk to me, God. Just move in their hearts. Father, let, them not, let their hearts be hardened and, and to push, push away Christ. But Father, may your spirit move in their hearts and draw them to yourself. Father, I pray for the believers that are here this morning. I pray, Father, maybe some have have kind of in the midst of this world and all the activities of this world that began to kind of, kind of walk away, begin to withdraw themselves 
forgetting the reality of what, what is necessary in our life with you, Father. I stand here today, Father, and I stand here in a personal relationship with you. I'll never forget that lady walking up to me and asking me, do you believe in a personal relationship with God? And Father, I, I just said, yes, I do. For the most precious possession I have, and it's not even a possession, but the most precious thing I have, Father, is my relationship with you. It's in the middle of that when I find comfort in the middle of my frustrations. You have a way of touching my heart that, that no one else can. To experience joy when I should be fearful because of the chaos around me or to experience comfort when, when I've been devastated by the things that have gone on. Father, that personal relationship is, is so important. Father, I pray for those that are here this morning. Maybe they begin to move away from that relationship with you and just to be reminded that, Father, they need, they need to be feeding on Christ every day. It's step by step, by faith, believing in him. You speak to us, Father. Your spirit move. In Jesus' name, amen.